it's a business transaction now. You're co-parenting, no thoughts, feelings, emotions at all. And you're gonna parent your way when your children are with you. And, and you're gonna focus on that and not ask opinions and share ideas with your co-parent. It's just not, it's just not safe. Hi, everybody. I am so glad you are with us today. I am Pam Keneally, and with me is... Mel Hyatt. That's right. Mel, I'm glad you're with us today. Me too. We are super excited. And do you know what, Mel? We are talking about something that has just captivated my intrigue of more to learn more about it today. And I know that's why you have joined in. And we're talking today about a person that has a pathological mental illness and... Um, it's called a narcissist, and it's a person who has, um, what I understand, a disconnect with reality. And perhaps you're listening today because you're like, I know one or something. I don't know what brought you to this, but Mel, I'm super excited to hear from someone who is very, very well trained in this topic, and her name is Cindy Lee. Hi. Hi, thank Cindy. You for having me. I'm so glad you're here today. You guys, Cindy is, first of all, she's beautiful, but she's also very, very well trained with what she's talking about today. She is an executive founder of Halo Projects, uh, executive director. Halo is an international nonprofit, primarily focused here in Oklahoma, but it helps hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people with issues. Cindy is a licensed clinical social worker and I said all that to say just that she's credible in what she's talking about. So I, I, I am, am excited about that. So, Cindy, to start off a little bit, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What would you like our listeners to know? Absolutely. Well, I think given your audience, the very first thing I would like for all of them to know is that I am also a single mom. And so for all those single moms listening, I know we're just getting started, but if you are coming to listen to this topic, it's because you have a, a reason. And I just want everyone to know that I'm a single mom and I stand by them and with them and the unique issues that they're facing, especially with this particular topic. Mm -hmm. I'm certain that's true. Well, let's just go ahead and get started. And, um, you know, we're hearing more and more about this narcissistic personality disorder called narcissism. Um, and so Let's just start off. What is a narcissist? So there's kind of two ways to look at this particular topic. One is through the Diagnostic Manual of Mental Disorders, where it gives you a very specific definition of what somebody who suffers from narcissistic personality disorder is. And it's very much based in grandiosity, the idea that that I am special and that um, I have an entitlement to the things around me, um, no matter regards to what's happening. It's very much a thinking issue based and grounded in grandiosity, a lack of empathy, entitlement, wanting to hang out with special people, thinking that they're special. And that's basically the way it's described there. But in the real world out there where we are, we see so many different dynamics of this same particular issue. And the way I would describe it outside of that book is this idea of a false self, that the true authentic self is buried so deep down inside. Mm. And so they're functioning from a false self. And in order for them to maintain the false self, they have to have power and control over others. And so there's a lot of devastation that occurs when somebody is motivated to have power and control over other people. And that's how I would describe it as we see it and how it's functioning out in the real world. And the grandiosity is just a way to describe that false self that they're seeking. Wow. Cindy, I'm going to assume that 
all of our listeners are female. I know that there could be someone that trickled in and that's okay. We welcome you. Mm -hmm. Um, With that assumption, I think many of us are listening right now thinking of maybe an ex or something um, that is a male or maybe even possibly a parent or a mother. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to first ask, and then I have a second question, is there a, like is there a certain gender that s- tends to breed more narcissists than another? There is definitely a, d- a division between males and females. So about 6% of the general population would be considered narcissistic. Um, within that, about 8% are male and about 5% are female. So there's quite a Quite a few on both sides okay. of the gender equation. Only 6%. I feel like I must be able to really seek that 6% out <laughs> then pretty well, well. What about you, Pam? Yeah, isn't that the truth? Oh, my goodness. Well, so my second question for you to that is, is this uh, something that we can pass down? So that is the big question. So that it's interesting because, again, we're talking about two different sides of this equation, what's written in the books Mm -hmm. and what we're seeing out in the public and in our communities and the patterns. So in the books, it's saying 6%. Out in the public, we feel like it's drastically higher than that. Mm -hmm. And if you think about narcissism outside of narcissistic personality disorder, it is a continuum. So people can have traits and not meet full criteria for the actual disorder in the books. Um, So it's, it's, again, it's way underestimated. And if you think about it, the reason why is because narcissism is so difficult to study. If you have someone who's coming from a perspective of grandiosity, they're not signing up for a study. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) it's very, very, very difficult to study. And that's why our numbers are so different. But when we come back to the origins of how narcissism narcissism is formed, again, it's up for debate. So some people will say there's a genetic component, although there is no proven gene that would cause narcissism. It's hard to tell whether or not there's a genetic component or if it's learned behavior within a family system. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So we do see it passed down from generation, but the question is, is it learned or is it? Yeah, nurture, nature. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. The fundamental that, question. That kind of leads to my next question. You partly answered it. Is it, I know narcissism is marked by self-love and lack of consideration for others, but is it more a learned behavior by society and one's environment or is, or do genetics play a role in this kind of behavior? So I don't think there's a specific, there is no specific gene, Okay. but it could be that um, there's a predisposition towards something like that. But then also um, the interesting thing about it, so when it comes to learned behavior, it could be that I'm mimicking if I have someone in my family system who is also meets criteria, but it also can come from just the way in which we parent. If you, for example, if you have one parent who's maybe hypercritical and tears down a child, and then you have another person that overcompensates for that parent who's tearing them down and tells them that they're amazing no matter what they do, that's kind of one of the formulas that's listed in the literature as um contributing to narcissistic personality disorder. The other thing that's also there that's not written is the idea of trauma. So it's interesting because if you think about narcissism, they're talking about this grandiose self. It's a false self. Why would you have to create a false self when your authentic self is just fine? Mm -hmm. It's because you've developed a hatred towards self. But most of us even if we make mistakes, we can tap into the idea that our true self, our authentic self, who God created us to be, is good. People who suffer from narcissism don't believe that. 
they believe that their true authentic self is bad, almost like a monster. So in order to deal with that, they cover it up and they cover it up through this grandiosity. So trauma can contribute as well, but there are thousands of people who have experienced trauma that do not fall in this category. Yes. So I need to make that perfectly yes, clear. Right. But trauma can contribute to it as well. Right. Well, I don't know if this is true or not, but I read that both um, when the question of what causes narcissistic behavior, it said it's both genetic and environmental. One one article said it has to, it, it said to have less volume of gray matter in the left anterior of the brain. I don't know if that's true or not. So, you know, maybe that's just some scientist trying to put a put a nail on, you know, mm-hmm. why he acts like he does. I don't know, but I was just wondering about that, if there was any truth to that. I think we can be predisposed for all kinds of stuff. Sure. And mm-hmm. it does depend on our environment as to what happens. But if we go back to just the biblical idea of being created in God's image, it's hard for me to accept that somebody is born exactly with that particular mm-hmm. issue. Yeah. Cindy, I appreciate you bringing up the trauma and that reality that someone's reacting out of their own sort of self-hate because what that's causing us all to do that I really do not want to do in some scenarios is give that person grace even though they might be hurting me or my children and it's just this continuum of it, but to pull back and to realize that that person is somebody that's really hurting. It's kind of that thing we tell our kids like, oh, hurting people hurt people. Mm-hmm. But to really believe that maybe can change the way that we navigate it with them, I think. Um, so that's kind of uncomfortable. It is. It's hard to, it's I don't, hard to think I don't want to do that. So mm-hmm. what are, I think it's really easy for us, especially in our culture where we are all so educated on everything, mm-hmm. um, to label people really quickly, right? Somebody bumps me on the sidewalk and doesn't apologize. And I'm like, is a narcissist, you know, mm-hmm. but what are the most common traits for us listening, um, not to be diagnosing other people, but maybe to be aware of ourselves and for our children and just to be aware. I think in the, again, in the literature, you're going to see grandiosity, but in the everyday life, you're going to feel it. And it's usually an attempt at power and control. So if you're in the presence of someone and you sense that they're trying to control you or manipulate you, that's going to be your very first red flag. And they're good at it. They've mastered it. They've practiced it. So it's really hard to pick up on, but you're going to, you're going to see a lot of attention towards self. My needs only are going to be met here. You are going to kind of serve me and my agenda, um, overly charming at the beginning when you first meet them, but you sense a lack of authenticity with it. Um, that's going to be kind of like the first things that you're going to look for. And then after the charm piece happens in your relationship, usually they will start to manipulate and play games and try to get power and control. They might subtly cut you down here or start to control your schedule or where you're going or your ideas or your belief system. Mm. Those are good traits, and I, I want to add some to it because I wrote some down as I was, like I said, I have been studying this somewhat because we have so many moms coming to us mm-hmm. now that are facing this, and and it's something new to me. So I, that's why I was so excited to have you in, but I wrote down some notes, and let me just add to these, and you can affirm that this is true. I have down inflated sense of entitlement. You said mm-hmm. that. Needing constant admiration expecting special treatment, exaggerating achievement and talents, reacting negatively to criticism, being preoccupied with fantasies about power, success, and beauty, taking advantage of others, 
unwilling to recognize the needs of others. If you could see Cindy, she's shaking her head. Yeah, there's so many. It's a lot. Acting arrogantly, a sense of superiority. They have a very fragile high self-esteem, actually, pointing out that it's everybody else's fault, exploiting others for their benefit, and the list goes on. Yes, absolutely. Did that help describe a little bit? Yes, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, there's just so much to say about that. You know, I'm thinking of you, single mom, and you have questions because you know one, maybe one's in your family, um, maybe... Your former husband is one, or maybe you're listening today, and you think maybe you're one, maybe, um, and or maybe your child is one, or your boss is one, or you're dating one. It's, there's so many scenarios. Don't even know how you would answer this question because with each type I just mentioned, there's probably a different answer. But, but what would you tell moms that that are 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 fall into one of those categories? So I'd say, first of all, we kind of talked a little bit about the compassion piece there and knowing that that the individual who's suffering from narcissism or narcissistic personality is very much trapped and is very much um, hurting deeply. But when it comes to compassion, there's a time and a place for it. So if you're on the receiving end of somebody who's been manipulating you or psychologically abusing you, which oftentimes this is what this is, you do not need to or are expected to have compassion at that time. Compassion is for later. When you're in the middle of it, do not worry about the thoughts and feelings that you're having just because it is it is so profound. Um, also, I would say with psychological abuse, which is often what's happening with somebody who's narcissistic, it is more damaging than any of our other abuses. So physical abuse, neglect, sexual abuse, it has it causes more damage because it's subtle and we can't name it. So individuals who've been involved in these types of relationships could be involved in them for 10, 15, 20, 25 years and have no idea that they're being abused. And so we see lots of um, depression, PTSD, suicidality, of course, lack of self-worth at the end. So if anybody's experiencing those things, um, I would just like to normalize that for them and, and encourage them to seek help. Um, but it, there's a couple just small pieces of advice I would give anybody who's in a relationship with someone who's narcissistic, and that would be just a couple boundaries. So if you're, if, let's say it's your boss and you want to keep your job and you're recognizing this dynamic in the relationship, we would encourage them to just do something called a gray, what we call gray rock, and that means just don't share your personal information with your boss. You're doing, you're, you do business with them, mm-hmm. and that's it. You keep your personal stuff to yourself as a protective factor because one of the ways in which narcissists can hurt you is by getting your personal information, your feelings, your emotions, and then turning them back around. So having some really good boundaries if you have to stay in the relationship. If it's somebody that you're not connected to or don't need to be connected to, maybe you're not co-parenting or maybe it's someone that you're in relationship with you're not, not married, then we would suggest just completely severing ties in that relationship mm-hmm. and going no contact mm-hmm. for your own safety. Mm-hmm. So I think just being mindful of validating the feelings that somebody has, also starting to put boundaries in place. And I would encourage everybody to seek professional help if they're involved Absolutely. in one of these types of relationships. So talk to me a little bit more about what doesn't work with, you know, I, I had down a few don't argue, don't confront. I mean, what, what, I mean, what, what are things you would not do that so just make it worse? Sometimes individuals in these types of relationships do want to argue and say stuff because they're trying to determine if the situation is real. So I would say in that in that case, you 
you've often lost your voice in this relationship. So to say don't have a voice is challenging, but um, if you're trying to keep the peace, absolutely. No arguing, no questioning, for sure no criticism. And then two, um, if, they sen if someone coming from this perspective senses that you know that they're narcissistic, they will come at you tenfold. So the two things that somebody with this fears the most is being abandoned, you believe me, if, that ha if they sense that, they will come at you. And then the second thing that they fear the most is that you've figured them out and they will come at you. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of just keeping, keeping the peace if you need to be in relationship with them and then just not going further with any personal information. It's almost like Withdrawal. we're going to do business mm -hmm. and I'm going to pull back. Yes. Mm -hmm. Pam, I, had a, I have an experience um, with someone that I have to deal with every once in a while that I believe is on this spectrum, we can call it. And I found um, through trial and error that the best thing that I could do was text and not communicate over the phone because this person literally knew how to like push certain buttons mm -hmm. of mine. Mm -hmm. And when I text, I can kind of like catch my breath and like step away for a moment and like figure out what is really needs to be said. And that has changed everything. Absolutely. <laughs> so it was me sort of giving myself a I guess it's a boundary, it's a boundary. I don't know, but it was protection. And, and it, I, I can honestly say to you that everything has changed in our relationship that since is, we do only talk via text. No, and that so, is so insightful. That was really helpful. That is so insightful. So what is a mom to do if her former husband is a narcissist and she can't just text all the time? There has to be co-parenting. You know, that's a, I know that's a whole other subject, but maybe I just, single mom wants you to know, I hear what you're thinking. So with the co-parenting, it's all business. Mm -hmm. So let's say that you that your ex-husband is texting you. And so, for example, you might get this really long text message for them. And, and it asks all these questions about thoughts and feelings and beliefs. And there's all kinds of mess in there. And then the very last sentence says, can you pick up so-and-so from school that, today? The way you're going to respond is, yes, I will pick them up from school today. And you're going to ignore every single other part of that text message. It's a business transaction now. You're co-parenting. No thoughts, feelings, emotions at all. And you're going to parent your way when your children are with you. And, and you're going to focus on that and not ask opinions and share ideas with your co-parent. It's, it's just not safe. Well, I get that. Cindy, you, I'm, I know being a single mom that, well, maybe you haven't dealt with this, but maybe you have. Um, but you, you know as a single mom that, everything that we're experiencing also in the back of our mind is our children. Absolutely. So for me, this no longer came up, this no longer was about winning, which I love winning. I'm very competitive. Mm -hmm. um, but when I keep my kids in mind, it wasn't about winning. And I think the same goes when you're dealing with something like this. So what would you tell our single moms? How does she navigate this with her children when the father is showing these narcissistic behaviors? Oh, my goodness. The trickiest question. Yeah. So a lot of times in a family unit, the children will have different opinions about their father. Some are like, I see what I see and I've experienced this myself. And no, thank you. I'm not interested in a relationship depending on the age. And other kids are like, my dad, my dad, my dad. I love my dad so much. I want to spend time with my dad. And so the first rule of them is to follow your child's lead. Um, you don't want to say anything negative about this person to the children who are 
um, invested and desire that relationship. And then we always say this is a long game. Over time, the truth will come out. And so you will, you do want to be protective. So if, if there is an incident in which the father is hurting a child and the child comes and says something, you do want to validate and speak truth at that moment. But other than that, you're just following the child's lead, which is so hard yeah. to do yeah. as a parent. It is. And we, Pam and I have talked about this a lot, that I I remember just telling myself that I don't have to make him a good dad or a bad dad that he can do that on his own. Mm-hmm. But that was really hard. It, what about, say your, ch- your children are older and they come to you and they're like, I think dad is a narcissist. Are you like... <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) I could, you know, or do you, do you just let them talk, you know, because that is tricky too. Um, I think if they're, if they're older and they come to you and ask that question, my next question would be, tell me more about that. What evidence do you see? And then they're going to tell you a personal story. And then your job in that moment is to validate their experience. Great. That's good. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm sensitive to Mel and Cindy that we may have men listening and, you know, we, we just said that there are narcissistic women, so Absolutely. I want to be very tender to that. If, if any men are listening, that we are very well aware that your former wife may be narcissistic or your your boss or your neighbor or somebody. Or so just, moms. And, or your moms. Yeah. yeah, I just wanted to add that, too. So, you know, we've talked so much about this. Now I want to get down to what everybody wants to know that's sucked into this, and it is how do they survive? How do they um, find, you know, respite in this toxic relationship? Where do they go? How do they help themselves? So I would say a, a couple things there. It, this is a, it's a process. And if, if somebody has been on the receiving of this for, for multiple years, it, there's a discovery phase where they're trying to figure it out. Then um, once it comes to be where you do figure out what's exactly happening, there is a lot of repair and healing that needs to occur. So one of the things that we offer at Halo Project is a program called Making Sense of Your Worth. And the interesting thing about about this type of relationship. It is literally the slow stripping away of somebody's worth and value over time. And so the Making Sense of Your Worth program was basically created to help individuals heal, whether it's from a parent-child relationship or a romantic relationship or a boss. And that is an eight-week curriculum that I highly recommend to anybody who's been on the receiving end of this type of relationship. And Would it's you repeat offered, that again? What's the name of it? It's called Making Sense of Your Worth. And if you just Google it, it will come up. But there's classes offered all across the United States. So pretty much anybody who's interested in that would have access to it. It's a solution. There's multiple solutions, but I'm always going to encourage someone to seek professional help for something like this. Because you heard me say earlier, the subtle psychological abuse and the side effects of that are are massive Mm -hmm. and huge for somebody's overall well-being and health, but it can be severely underestimated because they can't name something about being hit or um, which oftentimes we hear people on the receiving end saying, I just wish he would have hit me mm-hmm. because right. then everybody around me will understand. Yeah. So in that seeking of professional help, I would go one step further and say, make sure that the person you're seeking help from does understand narcissism. Otherwise, it can be harmful, mm-hmm. even from that counseling perspective, if the counselor doesn't understand. So do your homework. Okay, mm-hmm. That's really scary, too. Mm-hmm. Cindy, as we close, I just want you to imagine maybe yourself in a scenario or a single mom that you know and think of 
what else you would like to say to our listeners who are sitting here in whatever situation they're in, but as a single mom trying to figure this out? The first thing I would do is say that if you're feeling it, it's real, Mm. that it is a very real thing, even though you can't name it, you don't understand it, you don't know what's happening, that it is a very real thing. And there are men and women all across the country experiencing the exact same thing. So I definitely just validate that piece because so many people come. And one of the first things they say when they sit down on the couch is, I think I'm crazy. And so hear me when I say you are not crazy. This is something that's everywhere. And the other thing I would say is that sometimes people will ask, why me? Why me, Cindy? Why was I chosen to be on the receiving end? And oftentimes people think it's because there's some kind of weakness to them or low self-worth, but it's actually the flip side. Someone who's interested in grandiosity is going to seek someone with traits that they admire and want to have for themselves. So most often it is our positive traits that draws somebody to us, our humor, our empathy, our kindness, our love. That's what's something that's drawn in. So you are not crazy. It is real. And you weren't a target because there's something wrong with you or inept with you. That's what I would say if I had them right in front of me and I would put it on repeat. That's good stuff. (laughs) That is good stuff. And, you know, in closing, I want to say too, I want to add this piece as we move to a close that um, I just want you to know how valuable you are you are, you are a unique creation. God created you for strength and purpose and validity that you, you know, when you receive Christ, you are a new creature. You have hope. You have help. And yes, seek psychological help. Seek counsel. Seek all that because that is so necessary. In addition to that, moms, um, you know, know just how valuable you are. And in closing, I just want to speak the truth, just the truth, the biblical truth. And I'm thinking of 1 John 1, 7 says, but walk in the light as he is in the light. Because Cindy, it's true, you can't help but feel like you're walking in darkness. Absolutely. But walk in the light, in his light. And it goes on to say, we have fellowship with one another. And then it says, the blood of Jesus purifies us from all wounds. Are you serious? purifies us, makes us free, gives us help, gives us hope from all damage, from all wounds, from all injustices, from all unkind words. There is hope always in Christ, in God's Word. And uh, along with getting the professional help that you need, uh, yes, pursue that. And walk in truth. I think T stands for, Cindy said it, trust your gut. You know, the Holy Spirit in you gave you an intuitiveness to know, and he gives you direction. He tells you things you don't know. He he leads you. He puts people in front of you. You know, he is your. He directs you. Trust that inside intuition, gut. What you feel when you sit down on your couch and you say, "Am I crazy?" Um, your gut is saying you're questioning in that, but you're not. So trust your gut. The R would be recognize that your feelings give you information. So embrace your feelings. Don't run from them. Examine them. Look at them. Why do I feel this way? Bring it out in the light. Bring it to Jesus. Bring those feelings out in the light. Examine your feelings because they give you information. So trust your gut. Recognize your feelings. Give you information. The you would be, and this is Cindy probably where they need help, is to undo what they've been told. Undo the way they've been made to feel invisible and valuable. Undo that. 
and you say, is it possible? Cindy, is it possible? Absolutely, 100%. And you have seen people that they have recovered from this? Absolutely, 100%. Okay, so there you go. See, I don't know. She does, so I'm just getting her okay on everything. And the T in truth would be tell yourself the truth. Renew your mind. What does God's word say about your value? Cindy, what do you tell women about renewing their renewing the truth in God's word? I would say definitely to focus on the truth of who we are and who we are created to be. So any lie we believe, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm weak, something's wrong with me, there is scripture to replace every single one of those particular um, lies. And the, we have a, a faith-based version of Making Sense of Your Worth, which is a Bible study called Anchored. And it is something that takes every single one of those lies and in it provides you the scriptural truth from who you are and an explanation as to how you can replace those lies with truth. So that's another resource for your And where listeners. can they find that? That's on Amazon. Okay. Just anchored Bible study on self-worth. I love that. That's a great one as well. So the last one would be H and it's what Cindy just said, hold tight to the word of God. You were created specifically, you were knit together in your mother's womb to be on this earth, to to walk with him, to have purpose and life in him. And unfortunately, when we go our way, we get distracted by people that can hurt us, harm us, wound us. And we need to be sensitive to that, but turn to God's word for help, for hope, for healing. Friends, today, as you've listened, this is what we do at Arise Single Moms. We point you to the truth. We point you to remember how valuable you are. And as always, we want to thank you for listening today. We pray that you will not leave here the same way you came in, but you will leave here strengthened and renewed with new hope and new strength. And it's this purpose that we did this podcast for you today.